unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. What's up? Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk right here at Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Hey, it's been a while since we've had the pleasure to reconvene on the airwaves here on a Saturday morning. Welcome into it. Happy 2024. It's going to be a big year. We're going to have a lot of fun. So welcome in. Great to have you. I'm Andy Hoosier. This is Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on that FM dial if you have that smart radio. Also, our friends out in Garden City on KIUL, also hanging out with us here every Saturday morning, too. Welcome in 2024, man. We're kicking off the first weekend of the new year. Did you get back into the groove? Did you get back into your routine after the holidays, going back to work? If you do go out and work and do your thing, are you tired already? Remember, next week is our first full five-day work week, which means by the end of it, you're going to be cranky, you're going to be exhausted, and you'll probably sleep in. Right? At least that's what we tell ourselves. That probably won't happen. But at least we can always dream and hope. I always say, I think in the entire holiday between Christmas and New Year's, I got one nap that was like an hour long. And I've been looking forward to a nap for so long. And I got one, so I guess I can check it off my list. But it would have been nice to get a couple more. You know, just, you can't. You get into your groove. You just do your thing. You're too excited about everything going on. It's hard to get it. So welcome in. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maxwell Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. would love to hear from you this morning as we start off the new weekend. It's been a while since I've been able to chat with you. So what's on your mind? And what a year that we're getting ready for in 2024. There is a lot to talk about. We have the legislative session in the state of Kansas starting off here in the next week. Bottom of this hour, we have State Representative Christy Williams from the Augusta area. We'll have her on the program. Is uh, She'll talk about what's on the slate for the legislative session. And she is also the chairwoman for the education board in the House. So we'll talk about education funding going on in the state at the bottom of this hour. We're going to spend a lot of time, which we do a lot anyways already, but we are going to spend a lot of time and attention on education in the state, not only from the legislative standpoint with Christy at the bottom of this hour, but next hour, if you've heard the news that happened really over the past few weeks during the holidays, ironically, there is a new club that has been started at the Olathe School District up in the Kansas City area with a Satan club. So we'll break that down and get your thoughts on what the heck that is, why they're starting it, what they're going to be teaching, and what does this mean for different schools around the state with students wanting to create certain clubs of things that they're supposedly interested in. So we'll have that conversation. We will be talking with Fred Pry. He is with the Child Evangelism Fellowship. We'll talk with him at the bottom of next hour to break that down as well. So we have all that to get to, plus we have obviously what your thoughts are this year what are your number one what are your new year's resolutions personally politically whatever you want them to be what is your focus for this new year are you ready for the legislative session that starts off in the next week here in kansas with our legislators heading back to topeka and are you ready for the major election season that will be in the state the huge bigly election that's starting off in just a couple of months If you remember, we have a different style of primary or caucus this year in Kansas where this is no longer a caucus that's run by the party 
where you go and vote for your presidential preference in the primaries. No, no, this is actually a state-sanctioned primary election that will be happening in the month of March. The Secretary of State's office will be heading it up like any normal election. So a little bit different style this year. Are you prepared for that? And who are you voting for? As there are a lot of names, obviously, on the ballot. And we are just uh, just over a week away from the Iowa caucus to kick off that entire season nationwide. So we'll try and cover all that and so much more throughout the program today, which you're always welcome to call and chime in. Plus, I may have a couple goodies to give away throughout the program on the air as well. I want to start off here, though, as we start the new year with 2024 of apparently Candace Governor Laura Kelly is really happy and excited about the fact that we have reached the highest employment record in the state's history, which is good news. More people employed now than ever before in the state of Kansas. We have some of the lowest unemployment that we've seen in a while. Getting back after the post-COVID-19 pandemic, trying to get people back to work, back into the workforce and off of the social programs. This is good news, and we should be proud of that. Now, of course, as governor and the only Democrat really leading after a supermajority of Republicans, she's trying to take credit for this, but uh, is, is that truly and duly needed? Does she really need to be taking the credit for something like this? Or is it the Republican legislature passing deregulatory ideals that uh, allow business to actually thrive in the state of Kansas, allowing them to hire individuals, allowing them to afford the compensation for hiring employees and creating a situation where business is able to grow and expand in Kansas? I don't know that we necessarily have that. I mean, we do, but do we at the full potential that we possibly could? How are we compared to states like, I don't know, Missouri? Now, there's one side note to this is one of the priorities that will be apparently focused on in the legislature this year is minimum wage in the state of Kansas. I know. Yeah, we're going to talk about minimum wage. It's one that Democrats love. Remember, we have the squad in Washington, D.C. at the federal level talking about $15 minimum wage. Rashida Tlaib, I believe, said that it even needs to go up to like $20 or $25 for a minimum wage because, well, we've already surpassed the 15 with the way inflation's going. Inflation's so good under the Biden administration and their Bidenomics that we have to raise minimum wage just to be able to make it affordable and living while you work your minimum wage job. Now, that premise there is just faulty to start off with. Andy, what do you mean? Well, you're not supposed to live off a minimum wage. We'll get to that in just a moment. But according to KSNT News, they are talking about the minimum wage debate that could be happening in the legislature this year, saying that uh, it's been decades since we've actually increased anything. 2009 was the latest when we actually apparently raised minimum wage to the federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour. And according to the article, obviously being more from the left-wing media that's reporting this, that we've watched other states like our neighbors in Missouri bumping their wages up to $12.30 an hour. Because at uh, $7.25 an hour here in Kansas, that means the minimum wage worker earns $15,080 per year. At $15,000 a year, Kansans earn three times, three and a half times less than the annual living wage in Kansas, which is the average medium of $54,601. Of course, they're going to make that comparison. $54,000 to $15,000. How dare you allow someone to try and live off of $15,000? I ask you the question this morning at 316-721-8255. Have we forgotten what minimum wage positions are supposed to be about? Now, I get that it should be... uh, Here's the thing, and I know this is more of a purist mindset. I don't believe that we should have a minimum wage at all, period. I think that a wage should be based on 
market value. If you're sweeping floors somewhere because you don't have any other skills to contribute to a business, you should not be paid $15 an hour. I'm just throwing that out there. That's uh, Sweeping the floor of a warehouse does not constitute $15 an hour. Now, if I were a business and I wanted someone to do that, I would, you know, I wouldn't probably give them $7 an hour at the minimum wage. I would probably give them 10 bucks an hour. Why not? You know, give them a little something, but I'm not going to give them $15 an hour. That's not worth the market value of that job. What kind of skill do you actually bring to the table? Andy, that's so horrible. Some people don't have skills and you got to be able to give them an affordable rate. Who's supposed to be doing minimum wage jobs? And I think this is where the understanding or the uh, the opinions from the other side start to break down is here's the thing you're not supposed to raise a family or make a livable wage off a of minimum wage what are these positions supposed to be for they're supposed to be for the entry level individual trying to work their way up the corporate ladder they're supposed to be for the young kid that is in school trying to work while they're going to school just to make a few bucks on the side They're supposed to be for maybe even the elderly individual who's retired but just wants to do something because they don't want to sit at home and twiddle their thumbs all day long. They want to be active. They want to be engaged. They want to be social. They want to go do something and make a little cash on the side because maybe their Social Security benefits are not supplementing what they need to do. Those are supposed to be the positions for minimum wage jobs. Those are supposed to be the mindsets, not someone who is trying to live on their own, purchase a house, buy a car, have a credit card, go out and party all the time, and then go and work a minimum wage job throughout the day. Not someone who's supposed to be raising a family of two, raising a family of four, and can't make their bills because they're making minimum wage while they're flipping burgers at a fast food joint. That's not what these jobs were intended for. And we've forgotten that mindset, but because of maybe stuck-upness, elitism, Whatever the thought is of, I'm too good for that job, so if I'm going to do something, it's going to be worth my time. Because of that mindset, we've driven these costs up. But the Democrats, the progressives, the ones that think that minimum wage needs to be at $20 an hour, they're the ones that think that we need to be living off of these and never excel to anything further than that. And that's the furthest from the truth. The whole point of a minimum wage job is to scrape by to make a little cash while you're focused on something else or going through your schooling until you can get into a position to where, you know what, I have, yeah, I'm making this, but guess what? I have now a skill that's of value to you, a skill that's of value to the business, a skill that I can hone, that I can learn, that I can do in order to make more money because I bring more to the table for a business. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be, isn't it? So the minimum wage where that literally says you have no skill, you have no clue what you're doing, you're starting off, and guess what? We're going to pay you the bare minimum because, yeah, you're going to make a little something to compensate for you, but it's not going to be the same as someone who's been through schooling or is a banker or whatever because a banker, being a banker formerly myself before I got back into radio, yeah, they, they were making $15 an hour. And we had to learn finances and had to keep tab of money and had to make sure that we were opening up accounts properly. And learning how to not forge anything or make sure to, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's for any paperwork for the federal government or else we could literally go to jail. And they say they want someone that's sweeping floors at a warehouse or someone that's flipping burgers at a fast food joint to be making the same amount of money. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Agree or disagree? 316-721-8255. I mean, I know the radio industry is a little bit different, but I remember going through my schooling for the broadcasting school this is after i went to college and i racked up a whole bunch of student loan debt because i was like i'm not gonna work while i go to college yeah that's you know really paid off for me while i'm still paying on that fifty thousand dollars of student loan debt but when i went to the broadcasting school 
I had to do an internship in order to get into the radio industry. In order to graduate the broadcasting school, I had to log 300 hours of an internship in the industry, radio, TV, uh, production, whatever it may be. And luckily, I landed a fantastic internship with one of the great, the biggest talk show hosts that there was in the state of Colorado, and I was very fortunate in that. But guess what? I didn't get paid for that. And that constituted, you want to know, just I'm not trying to you know hype it up here, but you want to know what my day consisted of? My schooling for the broadcasting school was an evening class from 6 to 10 o'clock at night. I would get done with the broadcasting school at 10 o'clock at night. I had an hour drive up to the mountains to my home, so I would get home just about 11 o'clock or a little after. Then the show that Mike Rosen's program was from 9 to noon. I had to be there at 7 o'clock to do show prep. His studio was two hours away with me driving. So getting home after 11, I had to wake up between 4 to 5 to drive to the studio to get there by 7 to do the show from 9 to noon, then to go work in construction job from noon to about 6 and then, or noon to about 5 and then go and do my broadcasting school from 6 to 10. That's what my days were. Not to complain about it, but guess what? I did an internship that was making me exhausted. I almost dozed off a couple of times driving down the mountain to the radio studio a couple of times, and I was doing that for zero compensation. Why? Because I wanted to get my foot in the door. I wasn't expecting $15 an hour to do that. That's just what you do. But if you're complacent with that entry-level position, then guess what? You're not going to go anywhere. It's not the fault of the government not paying you enough or the business not paying you enough. It's the fault of you not wanting to uh, level yourself up and make yourself more valuable to the company or be able to get a trait to make more money or to even start your own venture, whatever it may be. But the mindset has completely shifted across the nation. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Ray. Ray, how are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, staying warm. Hey, well, yeah, so, stay uh, warm. Happy New Year to you. <laughs> Happy New Year. Uh, our school system has let us down tremendously. The, uh, the here, Here's how it works. The, the Democrats take over the schools. They turn our kids into stupid people. And then since the stupid people can't get jobs that pay anything, the Democrats say, well, we're just going to raise the minimum wage and everything will be okay and we'll just gloss over all this stuff. Well, you're telling me that I can't make a $100,000 annual job by getting a degree in gender studies? Come on, man. <laughs> That's exactly right. We don't teach physics and we don't, I mean, uh, civics, and we don't teach any kind of economic things. We don't tell our children that the minimum wage is just to get you started. Yeah. Yeah. We, there, we don't the, do any of this. You're right. There are a lot of degrees out there that are very interesting. I would love to get a degree in them, but they don't make a lot of money. When I have the time, and yeah. this is not any time in the future because I'm so busy I don't have any time, but I would love to, once I pay off my students, I would love to go back to a college and get a degree in theology, in, in, in philosophy and theology, and to study all this. Now, knowing that I'm not going to make a career out of it, but because it's an interest to me and therefore it's going to be an itch, I'm not going to go there and think that I'm going to walk out and somehow get a half million dollar job talking about philosophies to somebody somewhere because anybody on YouTube can talk philosophy nowadays on a podcast. So you're not going to make money at it. I, I get why we have these degrees, but... I think, like you said, the schools maybe need to do a little bit better job of explaining that, hey, maybe. you can do this uh, this degree, but you have to know what the workforce or the job market may look like thereafter 
on whether it's worth the return on investment for you to spend the student loans to get that degree. Exactly. And another thing that we fail at, we need the, the Republicans need to steal a march from the Democrats on all these illegals. They're all coming in. We aren't going to ship them all back. They are here. So when they go to school, they should be taught civics and pride in America and what America stands for. But the Republicans aren't going to do that. We're going to allow the Democrats to teach them about how great the Democrats are. Yeah, that's a great point, Ray. I got to take a break here. Socialism. I got to take a break here, my friend, but I appreciate that. You're right. We have to do something. And they're coming in in massive amounts right now, and we're going to have to figure out how to handle that issue moving forward, especially during election season. Ray, Happy New Year, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll take some more phone calls when we come back right around the corner here on Kansas Talk, which sounds Big Talker KQAM. Twenty-six minutes past the hour. Good Saturday morning to you. It's Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Minimum wage, what should it be here across the state of Kansas? Apparently that is a legislative priority for at least some in the legislature. What will that look like moving forward in 2024? Will we raise it up beyond that $7.25 across the state of Kansas? How dare us? Missouri has it at $12 and some odd cents. We need to get it up there. There is a proposal, apparently, from some to raise up the minimum wage to $16 an hour is a tiered step program over the next like three or four years. Kind of how we're seeing the sales tax on groceries, which by the way, hopefully you've enjoyed that. That's now gone down from 4% down to 2% starting January 1st. So your sales tax on food is less by next year, the same time next year, it will be gone. It will be eliminated. Governor Kelly, of course, trying to take advantage of that. Look at that. I did my extra tax program. And she can try and take credit all she wants to, but we've been talking about it while she was still a senator and voted against it as a senator, then multiple times as a governor as well. So thank you, Republican legislature, for passing the sales tax reduction on groceries, and we look forward to seeing a 0% sales tax rate by January 1 of 2025. <laughs> Just throw that governor Kelly, thank you, I guess, for signing it after voting against it as a senator multiple times and vetoing it multiple times over the first, I don't know, term and a half of your administration so thank you for finally agreeing to sit down and sign it after you create a campaign saying that you were going to do it which you did the first by the way election to the first round so well done we applaud you for that thank you for finally signing something that you promised that you would do so many years ago that's where we're at in today's time but with that we now have minimum wage just going to be talked about moving on the way up up from seven dollars and 25 cents up to 16 dollars an hour over the next few years. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Good morning, who's this? Hello. Going once, going twice. Sorry, give us a call back. 316-721-8255. We'd love to hear from you. If we do go up to that much, let's say $16 an hour for that minimum wage, then I ask you the question is, what would that do to the small business? Now, the... Uh, Chamber of Commerce in the state of Kansas has announced that what their priorities would look like going into the new year, talking about uh, deregulating for businesses, trying to create a more business-friendly environment in the state. And while we have record job growth and jobs in the state, that's great news, but are we creating the best environment for all the businesses around as well? That's going to be a major focal point, I think, for us uh, moving forward, because if we raise minimum wage to $16 an hour, then my question is going to be, how many small businesses will have to pull back again on the jobs that they've created? 
How many of them won't be able to survive? How many restaurants, local mom-and-pop restaurants or general stores or whatever you may have, fill-in-the-blank you know, type of business, will you have to let go of your employees because you can't afford the minimum $16 an hour? By the way, just a reminder for many businesses out there as well that higher salary after the federal law that passed a couple years ago or a year or two ago as well, that those working above 40 hours or 46 hours in the state of Kansas, they have to be paid overtime as well. Something for many of those to think about, too. So what type of business environment are we creating while we're trying to hype ourselves up for being the business-friendly or job-friendly state to entice people to move here and for business-minded individuals to invest or start a business here in Kansas? State Representative Christy Williams coming up right around the corner. Stay here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Man, it's good to be back for another weekend. It's hard to believe that we're back in 2024 officially, so welcome back into it. Great to have you. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Hopefully you got to enjoy all the holidays. I know it's difficult to get back into the swing of things again after the holiday shenanigans. I know, I know it's been tough. The holiday shenanigans, now we have to get back into the grind. Next week's going to be the worst with that five-day work week, the first full five-day work week of 2024. Don't worry, we'll help you out all throughout the week with our Voice of Reason program, this program to get you back up on Saturday morning. Also, we have our syndicated show with the Voice of Reason coming up on KQAM and KIUL, where we're broadcasting right now, and so many other stations uh, coming up uh, throughout the weekend as well. Welcome in. 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. The minimum wage conversation is an interesting one for sure. We'll see. I, I Look, again, I don't think we're going to see anything happen with it. We shouldn't see anything happen with it. But who knows? I think we've forgotten the mindset of what minimum wage was actually supposed to be about. At the same time, uh, we were just hearing with some of the news at the bottom of the hour as well about the flat tax conversation. Uh, I don't think the other side of the aisle understands what a flat tax actually means. I was, <laughs> I was in a social media conversation over the holidays with an individual from the other side of the aisle. And they were like, well, flat tax, that's not unfair because someone making a million dollars would be paying the same amount as someone that makes a little no money. Which, facepalm kind of moment, I had to explain to them, no, it's the same rate, but obviously if you're making more money, that rate means that you're paying more as opposed to someone that's lesser income. So they didn't quite understand that concept. So maybe it's just more of an educational thing we have to push and make them understand what this is really all about. Good golly. Welcome into it. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit as we talk about the legislative session. Can you believe it's officially here already for 2024? We are back at it. What's on the slate for this year? And one topic that's on the docket every single year is, of course, education. There was a headline that came out this week about a task force for special education funding where they're asking for a near $83 million hike in spending at the state level to compensate special education in districts all over the uh, all over the state. Do we need to do that? What does that look like, along with just general funding for education with, I'm sure, the schools are still asking for more? Well, like, I don't know, Wichita and Kansas City and some of these are sitting on million dollars of safety nets right now. So where are we at with education? And a big change this year with open enrollment coming up for the fall semester of 2024. And school districts already kind of, they're saying, wigging out. I don't know if it's really that bad or not. To talk about all that and more, it's been a while since we've had her on the show. Really excited to have her on. Is she the chairwoman for the uh, Education Committee? 
in the House of Representatives, State Representative from the Augusta area. Happy to have back on here, Christy Williams. Christy, happy happy 2024. How are you today? Good morning, and I'm great. Thank good. you for having me. Oh, it's so good to chat with you. It's been way too long since we've talked, and I appreciate you jumping on here. And this, I, I, I sense this is going to be a very big year for education conversations, as it is every single year, isn't it? I think so. I think the, the stakes are high, so everybody wants to be sure that our kids have the best outcomes. And, we're you know, we're spending half of our state budget on education. So I think the taxpayers have a right and a duty to ensure that our kids are getting the best outcomes possible. Yeah. One big victory you guys had last year was open enrollment, which starts in fall of this coming year for the new semester in the fall. And we heard some words about school districts being a little concerned about it. I live outside of which I live in a small district as well. I mean, like small enough. My daughter in fourth grade has nine students in her entire district or her entire school for the fourth grade. And I they're a little scared about the school even shutting down. I am excited about potentially being able to draw more people into the district. But what's your thoughts? I mean, is this a, is this a good thing, do you think, for Kansas? Well, of course. Anytime you give parents a choice in where their child is educated, it's a win. Frankly, we need to stop worrying about systems and start worrying about students. And when we do that, I think that natural competition will cause good results for every school district. And frankly, uh, if we think about open enrollment, we have about 30 states that have open public school enrollment. One is our neighbor to the West, and that's Colorado. And they have no requirements. You can absolutely go into any school district anywhere, regardless of capacity. But in Kansas, we've eased that burden for districts by allowing them to set their own capacities by grade and have some, you know, methods um, to maintain students that perhaps um, maybe don't attend regularly or have been suspended. They have flexibility in the law. Yeah. What a concept, creating some competition where if you don't want the students to leave your district, then you can raise your quality a little bit to make them want to stay as opposed to being forced to stay with no other choice. I know you guys have been trying it for a while, and it was so close, so close the last year or two trying to make this happen, but with uh, with other school options out there and school voucher programs and school choice that way. Do you think this year and this session for 2024, can we make this happen? Well, I would love, I would always love to see more choice for parents because, again, it's about students, not systems. Also, we're never going to really um, significantly change outcomes for students if there isn't some form of, a form of competition. And, Andy, you know, we hear a lot of people sometimes say, well, you know, we don't want government in our home lives, whether it's a homeschool or a private school. It's the government's money. I say it's the people's money. And when you're spending 52% of your state income on education, it's our money, and we need a good outcome for our kids. And absolutely, that money should follow the child. So whether or not we're able to to successfully uh, get past the finish line. Uh, I can't tell you that, but at least our very most vulnerable students, our at-risk students, those that experience a high rate of poverty, should have an opportunity to get the best education possible because they're they're actually not doing great. 80% of our at-risk students in Kansas are not proficient in math and reading. And frankly, I don't think that's good enough. 
It's not. What's the argument from the other side? Because you've been pushing this really hard, and I know last year you did everything you could to try and find some type of bill that would be appealing to both sides of the aisle to make this happen, and it still wasn't able to go through. What's the argument on the other side to say, no, you shouldn't have that choice to go where you want to. You need to stay right where you're at, even if the quality sucks, and we're just going to keep on doing the same thing here. Like, what? What's the argument for that? I, I think that the, the school system has a powerful lobby. And for some of our rural areas, their school districts are the number one employer. And their superintendents are probably the highest paid employee in the area. Not uh, negating, of course, your, your, your businesses. But when you have that, the lobby is really... Um, it's, it's based on fear rather than opportunity. And, you know, and so this, the schools think that, well, maybe we'll just lose more students and then that's going to hurt our whole area. But, Andy, if you remember last year, we passed a bill that allowed every student in Kansas to participate in Keisha activities, whether it's band or sports, regardless of whether or not they attend the public schools. That's a huge win for choice, and um, it actually just kind of, I don't know, lifts up the idea that we need to be helping all students anywhere in any way. Yeah. No, that's a huge victory. And again, it kind of blew my mind that we didn't have that in Kansas. Coming from Colorado years ago, I, we had plenty of homeschooled students that would show up to the athletics and we're like, who's this person? And they would come in and dominate everything, and, uh, and they, just, they were homeschooled. We never saw them during the public school, so I'm glad that we have something like that in the state moving forward. We're talking with State Representative Christy Williams, District Number 77 from the Augusta area. I know you guys also worked on it. It was a big win for the Women's Bill of Rights last year and the athletics regarding the whole transgender issue. Do you see any type of push to try to repeal that bill this year? And uh, what's what's the pushback that you guys have continued to receive on that one? Well, there's no chance that we'll be repealing that bill here in Kansas. Of course, we always have pushback from the Biden administration. He used his executive pen to push the USDA to try to advance um, ways to prohibit it. Uh, but actually, there is nothing that can um, keep a school from following the Kansas law uh, per the USDA guidelines. Um, if, if the U.S. government would withhold free lunches for students in poverty because, let's say, the school district abides by state law and has gender-specific bathrooms or gender-specific sports, then that would be a, a real travesty and a sad moment for our country. Yeah, it really would. Let's, it really would. Let's shift gears a little bit, and let's talk about the headline that we had seen about this quote-unquote task force asking for an additional near $83 million in special education funding for Kansas, saying that the state government has to reimburse, what is it, 90%, 92% of special education funding in every district. Are we doing that, and uh, is it reasonable for them to be asking for more money, or is this just one of those lawsuits where, oh, hey, we need to find a way to get more money from the government, and we're going to sue you guys in order to do that? What's the latest here? It's not reasonable. It's not based on facts. And basically what it is is an opportunity to put more money into a system, and we're not going to target it. We're not going to see better outcomes. Um, the argument is that the school districts are taking money and transferring it into special education, so money that could have been used for regular general ed students. And if that is the case, and we were to give them $82 million more, then I would ask the school district what um, increases in outcomes, what changes can we expect 
from the public and the legislature from the school district with an additional $82 million for regular general education. Are we going to see an improvement in reading scores? Are we going to see an improvement in overall math and other outcomes? And bottom line is we never hear the school lobby group tell us how they're going to use the money to improve outcomes. I have not heard that yet, nor have I heard any type of um, offer that if you do give us this, we will then ensure that XYZ happens. No, Andy, it's just give us more money. And by the way, in the state of Kansas, the education funding for special education statute was start was written in 1974. It's been touched or changed 18 times. So it doesn't work. And bottom line, uh, the state of Kansas gives the money. It's just not counted. There's $166 million attributable to special education students from the local option budget that is never counted. So if we just counted that or the $300 million that we don't get from the federal government, we'd be far above the 92%. Wow. So, okay. So to break some of this down, because there's a lot there. So number one, they, they've edited the amount of money that the state's supposed to be giving the districts multiple times throughout the years, meaning that there's no standard there. There's just, we're going to pay a certain threshold thinking that money's going to solve the problem. Let's throw more money at it. And all of a sudden the problem will be fixed. Then when you do pay it into what's supposed to be for special education, it's not going in a special account for education. You're saying it's going into the general funds for the district for them to use on whatever and then just apply it uh, what they want to to special education. But under the circumstance that they're getting that money because of the special education category, but we're just going to get it into our general fund and do whatever we want to with it. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. No, it doesn't, because uh, we also have other categories of monies for students, such as at risk. Those monies, whether they are from the supplemental general fund, which is the local option budget, or it's the general fund, those must be put into the at risk fund. However, it's so strange that we have never required that for special education. So there's $166 million in local option budget money that is not required to be put into special education, even though it doesn't exist without special education students. So I think there is a vast misunderstanding of the formula, but there is an emotional plea for more money. And I want to I want to be clear that the work that our schools are doing with special education students is very special. It is important. And the schools should be funding it. And they should be transferring local option budget money into those accounts. Um, The problem is, is that is not the state's error. It's their error if they don't believe that they should be funding it properly. It sounds to me like they're trying to find a way to keep the state, uh, the litigation that we've seen for years in the state with more money just to be sunk into education. They found another way to angle it to try and just squeeze more money out of the government when you said you were already paying over 50 percent of the state budget into the education system. That's pretty wild. We're talking with State Representative Christy Williams. we got just a couple of minutes left here, but just in general, as we talk about the funding for education, we hear about the reports and we talk to the Kansas Policy Institute and others that talk about the millions of dollars that are sitting in safety nets or emergency funds for the Wichita School District, the Kansas City School District, and how much money they do have while they talk about wanting more money. When we hear about like the Central School Plains District that had to close or voting to close and try and just dissolve, 
because they couldn't keep up numbers of students and they didn't have enough money. The school, the school district that I'm in, Burton School District, that has, again, nine students in the fourth grade with their graduating class last year, like 12 students, that's on the brink of closing. What can we do to try and make sure that those schools have the opportunity and the resources to stay open while the bigger school districts continue to just pump in all the money that the state has into theirs while they complain they don't have enough? You know, it, it is an uh, actual concern for those areas that have shrinking populations. However, those school districts are going to have to think very innovatively of how they're going to maybe work together with other school districts close by. Um, if we have an aging po- population, if we have a declining population that's exiting out of Kansas, um, and if we have a low birth rate, those are all going to be factors. And let me add one more complexity to it. We have over 12,000 students that now have left public education in the last two years. 12,000 students, if you do the math, we're talking to about $70 million that's lost in public education. But it's not lost to the student. If we fund those students and make sure they're properly educated, it benefits Kansas. So um, those challenges for small districts are real, and um, we do need to continue to figure out ways to help them. But one thing I want your audience to know is that small districts with declining enrollments actually get higher weightings per pupil. So one student in Shawnee Mission would be probably two students in a declining enrollment smaller school. So they do get more money just because of the fact that they're smaller and declining. Yeah, that is good news. And like you said, that is that other aspect. And I think it really hit home during COVID was the remote learning or the the, the homeschooling that so many parents are doing across the nation, pulling them out of public schools altogether. The micro-schooling, which apparently Candace is leading the nation in uh, micro-schooling with certain communities around the area as well. That's definitely throwing another aspect of this education thing into the realm, isn't it? Yes, definitely, but we don't have any way to support microschools through the state, but we should be because the kids are in need of all kinds of uh, learning opportunities. The traditional method of putting 20 kids in the classroom by chairs and the only differentiation is, well, how old are you and what zip code you live in. That's not good enough. Some kids are going to need small spaces, active spaces, um, different types of learning environments. And we as Kansans should provide that. This is the people's money that should be used for the people's children to be educated in the best possible way. The fact that we are so territorial and we only want to limit ourselves to a traditional public school education is frankly um, outdated and uh, it's not going to work. Yeah, amen to that. If we could see resources start going to some of those micro schools, that would be huge because I think that is a huge opportunity. And I see that as almost a part of the future of education, not just in Kansas, but nationwide. I think there's a lot of people that, uh, that see that as very enticing being able to help their kids in that local community. State Representative Christy Williams from the Augusta Area District Number 77, Chairwoman for the Education Board as well, uh, the committee in the House. Christy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Such great information. Keep up this fight. This is obviously always a big topic, but a huge importance, I think, moving forward. So let's get you back on the show and get another update soon. All right. Thank you, Andy. Have a happy New Year. Hey, happy New Year to you. Always a pleasure. There, There it is. Great information. We'll break some of that down when we come back around the break here in the top of the hour. The focus, could we actually get some resources for the homeschoolers, for the micro-schoolers around the state? That would be interesting. I would love to see something like that. We'll talk about that when we come back. Plus, 
We'll keep the focus somewhat on education in hour number two as we go to the Olathe School District and the Satan Club that apparently is now a thing. We'll talk about that and more. Get your thoughts on it. It's right around the corner here on Kansas Talk. Stay here. Welcome back into it. Great information. Thanks again to Christy Williams coming on the show. Man, solid information. Reason why she's heading up that education committee. There's a lot to break down there. And the battle continues with the states. You know what it sounds like? Again, it sounds like the school districts have found a loophole. The The litigation with the state Supreme Court is over. The What is it? The Gannon case? Where they talked about, oh, you're not properly funding education. And under Governor Kelly, she's like, well, I fixed that. And just means we threw more money at the problem, thinking that money's going to solve the issue. But now that they've gotten that lawsuit settled, they have to find a new way to actually deal with issues. And what it sounds like, they're like, well, okay, let's look at one of these subgroups of things that we're supposed to be funding. The state government's supposed to be reimbursing us for. Oh, look at that. Yeah, special education. We're not funding enough of that. You're not reimbursing us at that 92%, 95% of reimbursement. When that number's been changed dramatically over the years, okay, fine, let's fund education, special education. No, 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 just put it in the general funds. We'll take care of it. Don't worry, we'll totally get it to those in special needs and their research. We'll totally get it there. Just throw it in our general funds. We don't need to put it in a special fund specifically for tying it to what we say we're going to spend it for. Let us handle that. Just throw it in our general funds. We'll take care of it. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Yeah, I wouldn't trust them either. I wouldn't trust them either when they're sitting on millions of dollars of safety nets and emergency funds. Yeah, I think I'm okay. You need to prove to us exactly what you're going to spend that money on. A little bit ridiculous. But the money-hungry public sector looking to try and take more taxpayer money from you. Lots more coming up. Stay here. Truth Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. It is our number two of Kansas Talk right here. Wichita's big talker, KQAM. By the way, I want to thank everybody so, so much for all the awesome Ways we wrapped up 2023 with the radio station and with Techline Communications as a whole. All new stuff coming up and some really cool things. We'll tease about what's happening. But we wrapped up KQAM, a very big year for the station. We got a lot more coming up this year, which is super exciting. We have potentially some new voices you may hear. We had a great event with Brian Kilmeade just a few weeks ago leading into the Christmas holiday, which, by the way, I have a signed copy of the book I may or may not give away. Hint, hint, wink, wink, relatively soon. So stay tuned in for that. We have more coming up, uh, not to throw too much out there, but we have another one of our big talk show hosts on the station coming in by springtime is our goal right now to do another book signing with a book uh, coming up for release here soon as well. So that being said, we'll have more information. Stay tuned. The little radio tease for you right now. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. I want to hear from you. We had a great conversation last hour with State Representative Christy Williams. The legislative session getting underway. And what this year is going to look like will be definitely interesting for sure. 
That starts up here in the next week. Plus, we have the elections coming up with the primaries in Kansas in March, and it will be an actual sanctioned primary run by the Secretary of State's office. We'll talk with Scott Schwab about that upcoming election here soon, along with maybe trying to get some of the candidates on the program. Now, we do talk to the campaign manager for the Vivek Ramaswamy presidential campaign often on The Voice of Reason during the week. We'll see if we can get some of the other candidates on uh, going into that primary soon, too. So that's a big year, man. I'm looking forward to everything coming up in 2024 right here on Kansas Talk, on The Voice of Reason, and on the KQAM airwaves for sure. Bottom of this hour, we have Fred Pry. He is with the uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship. As you may or may not have heard throughout the holidays, which, again, convenient timing for this story to break, uh, just during the holidays, December 18th is when this story first broke, according to, uh, let's see, according to Fox Kansas City, that there is a new club at the Olathe School District known as the Satan Club of the school district. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Starting a Satan Club. I don't know exactly what they do at the Satan Club, but they proposed it. And it is not a school. Here's the, here's the way it works. For those that may not know, if you try to start an actual club at the school, it's not necessarily sanctioned and endorsed by the school. However, you do have to have some type of teacher or administrator to sign off on it as a, I guess, kind of sponsor, which we had to do that in college as well when we started the College Republicans and the College Democrats and all the other organizations. There had to be at least some type of student advisor, some type of professor that would be the, I guess, signing off of as an administrator at the school to allow the the club to actually happen. But it's not happening during school hours, and it's them to have their own prerogative to do what they want to do. So the first step of the process was to fill out the application that needed to be signed by at least 10 students interested in the group and signed by uh, with a signature by a student representative or faculty uh, supervisor, which apparently, according to the Olathe School District, that has happened for the new Satan Club at the school. Now, I ask you, why are students wanting to have a Satan Club? And the reason I ask it that way is not because, well, should they have it? Well, I disagree with that. I don't think it's, I think it's kind of stupid if they want to start it. But under our beautiful system of having freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom of uh, thought of what you want to do, and being that it is a public school that is sanctioned by the federal government therefore there is that separation of church and state and we can get into that conversation if you want to in a little bit that you can't promote one particular religion and obviously while the vast majority of us across the state of kansas living in the bible belt here i would say probably 90 percent of the population is judeo-christian in some fashion whatever it may be catholic or protestant in some way and whatever offset a branch of religion that that is then why does someone in the School district, a student, want to set up a Satan club. Now, my experience with the quote-unquote Satanists, which I don't have a lot of experience with them firsthand, however, listening to a lot of them interview and talk about what they do, is that the whole purpose of the club isn't necessarily for Satan, so to speak, although it is kind of a backhanded kind of way, and we'll get to that in a minute. But their entire purpose is to say, I don't like your values being as a Christian or whatever religion it may be. I don't like it, and you're the majority, you're the vast majority of what most people around here believe in, so we just want to be the rabble-rousers, we want to be the anarchists, 
We want to be the ones that just want to ruffle the feathers and just upset you. Why? Because I don't like your values and the fact that you have the majority of the conversation. I want to feel special. I want to feel left out. I feel left out and I want to make a statement. And their statement is let's go ahead and find the one triggering thing for the Christian community, which is to start a Satan club. Now, according to the Church of Satan, if that's what you want to call it, the Church of Satan, according to them, in the interviews that I've seen with them, is that they say they don't actually even believe in Satan. What they believe in is they believe in just the materialistic human form in pleasure and happiness and excitement on whatever that they want to do. And they they believe in a sense, kind of like a karmic sense of if I do a bad deed, then any type of good deed that I do offsets the bad deed. So I can essentially do any type of bad deed that I want to. And as long as I do something good, it offsets it and it's totally fine, which obviously opens up the Pandora's box for a lot of really bad shenanigans to happen because as long as I do a good deed afterwards and it's totally erased and I'm fine and I, and, uh, I don't have any uh, negative karma going into the uh, into the universe, so to speak. It's according to them. They also say that, well, it's not really about Satan. It's really just about the fact that I shouldn't have to live by your morals and standards that you tell me to because you want to be the absolute anarchist. Now, look, I am as much of a rabble rouser as anybody else. If the government tells me to do something, I'm probably going to do the opposite of what they tell me to do. If an, or a major organization tells me to do something, I'm probably going to do the opposite of what they tell me to do. That being said, I have the moral boundaries of what's right and what's not right. So just because they tell me not to kill doesn't mean that I'm going to go out and kill. There's a line there. I'm talking about things like, oh, you should get the vaccine to function in society. And that's where I give you the double-barreled middle finger. I'm going to go do my own life and I'm not going to get the vaccine because if you told me to do it and I know that your intentions usually aren't the purest at federal government, then I'm not going to follow you. And the reason I'm not following it is not just because I want to be the rebel, but because your values of what you're telling me has an alternative motive, which is usually control, regulation, and trying to tell me what to do with my life. And So I get the premise of what they try to do being the rabble rouser, but they take it to a level that is unhealthy for humanity and unhealthy for society in general. Because they say they don't necessarily believe in quote-unquote Satan, but what they believe in is just, I should be able to do anything. I should be able to have premarital relations, I should be able to do the drugs, I should be able to run rampant without any curfews as the child, I should be able to just do anything that I want that brings me joy without you telling me that it's wrong or that I'm going to go to hell for doing so. And if that's the way you want to live, fine. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. And that's really the premise of this entire situation in Olathe. There was a petition that ended up gaining anywhere between eight to 10,000 signatures from parents in the community not liking the Satan Club being started. I don't care if the if the Satan Club started. That's my personal opinion. I don't like it. I'm not going to get my kid to sign up for it. I'm not going to be a member of it. But I don't care because you have the right to do so. You have the right to do so, which comes down to the point, the core value here is that while you have the right to do it, that falls on the responsibility of you and I who have different values, who try to hold ourselves to a little bit higher level of consciousness, who tries to hold ourselves to a little bit higher level of respect for society instead of just being an absurd rabble rouser for the sake of being a rabble rouser for with no point to it. If you're going to be a rebel, you have to have a point to it. And for them, it's not about having a point. It's about being an anarchist just to throw the wrench in the system for society. If you're going to do something, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard in order to promote something that's actually of value. And if we're going to do that, then we lead by example based on our values. When we're happier, 
then people wonder what the heck are they doing that makes them so happy. When we have the family unit and people are succeeding and they're going off to college and they're happy and they have a tight-knit amount of friends and they're not battling suicide and they're not battling depression and they're not challenging or questioning their gender, whatever it may be, and they're living their life successfully, then the other side will look and say, what are they doing that makes them so successful? Or they can take it one or two ways. They can take it that way. Or they can take it the way of these individuals, which is now I'm the victim because I'm not as successful as you, so I have to corrupt your system as opposed to just going along with it. There used to be a time where we would sit back and observe and what's successful and, and what's working and what's not working. And if something's working, you want to do that as well. If you see a successful business person, a real estate mongol, a millionaire, somebody that's a celebrity, then you would follow in their footsteps to do what they did to get to that point. In today's times, we don't want to put that work or effort into it. So now we want to just play the victim and say, I can't believe that they have so much more than me. I'm just going to find a way to take it through socialist programs, through taxation, or I'm going to corrupt them by calling them a racist, destroying their career, and bringing them back down to my level. There's a difference in different uh, you know, ways that we can actually follow in these steps, right? And to me, the Satan Club goes down that kind of road. So should they have the club? Do they have the right to have the club, in your opinion? And what do we do about that if that is just the rabble-rousers wanting to throw the wrench in the system because they don't like your values, so now they have to feel special by starting their own type of club? Interesting conversation. 316-721-8255. Let's go to the phones here. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, you got to crank them up, Andy. Hey, Mr. Sean. Happy New Year to you, my friend. How are you? Pretty good. Happy New Year. How are you? As a family. You know, we are doing great. I am loving the snow that we got yesterday. I am loving the cold weather that we have out there right now. We are so excited about what's coming up in the new year for the radio show and for the station and for every project that we're working on. Like, this is the year, man. And I'm so excited about kicking off this year. But the holidays were great. We got to enjoy those, got to indulge in the food and the lights and everything else. So, uh, all in all, just a fantastic time. Hopefully, you got the same. Yeah, well, I'm not going to complain about the snow because it wasn't that much and we needed the moisture anyway. But uh, I was checking the uh, forecast the next weekend. There's about four or five nights it's going to get better. You know, if, if, the, if, the, if the forecast holds out, there's going to be some single-digit nights, man. <laughs> well, not only that, if you saw any of the headlines by late January, like the last week of January, we could see the deep freeze, the Arctic that came in a couple of years ago when we saw all the electric prices and the utility prices skyrocket. The negative 18 to negative 20 degree temperatures could be here again by the end of January. So here's a little word and warning for all those utility companies out there that jacked up our natural gas to $600 per cubic foot with a $2,000 electric bill or natural gas bill. Uh, for the single month that, yeah, maybe you should prepare ahead of time for something that like that could possibly happen again. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, not looking forward to my, myself, but hey, you never know. You know, uh, it did say that it's supposed to be like uh, not so bad this year, too, because of El Nino. So, yeah, well, we'll we're, we're already seeing it. They said that it was supposed to be maybe a little bit warmer and more moisture. And we're already uh, already between the snow that we got around Thanksgiving and this snow. That's more snow than I have seen in my entire 11, whatever, 10 years, 11, 12 years that I've been here out in Kansas. So, I, hey, you know what? We'll take it. Bring it on, baby. Yeah, well, it's not common for around here, nor are bitter temperatures. So, you know, the weather patterns have definitely changed over the last several years. But, uh, you know, that's the way it is. It, it's a life is a vicious circle, man. That it is. Things come and things go. So anyway, 
Okay, you want to talk about the Satan Club? Satan Club, what you got? Yeah, you know, unless these uh, unless these kids are planning on uh, being career high school students, I don't see their club lasting. In fact, the best way to deal with them is just ignore them because they're just looking for pub- publicity. They're just being rebellious youth looking for publicity, and uh, <clears throat> I say don't give it to them. Mm. You know, you don't have to like it. I don't like it either, but you know, it'll it'll pass. Just kind of let go. it just kind of let it fizzle Everybody. out. Just not give them any attention. Yeah. Let them do their thing, and they'll get bored and just kind of go about their business. I I mean, I think that's the the appropriate way to handle an issue like this. Again, they are. They're the rebel rousers that just, that we don't like what you're doing and we don't fit in with that. So we're going to find our own club to make us feel special. And we're just going to do it in a way that just upsets you and angers you. So that way we can get the attention. Well, there's what's normal, like things used to be. And then there's the abnormal stuff. And this abnormal crap that's going on today <laughs> wouldn't have been tolerated 20, 30, 40 years ago. When I was a kid growing up. Yeah. You would have got bumped on back then you know, people wouldn't have put up with it. But uh, at the same time, you know, you didn't have much of that. Yeah. It was just different people, different generation, higher set of uh, uh, moral and ethical standards, societal standards, dress, code, everything, you know. so Well, it brings up – it, it does bring, crazy times we live in, man. Yeah, yeah it's a crazy time. Yeah, it does bring up the question of, you know, the, the parents of these students, you know, are do they have a healthy home life? Do they have a healthy family, you know, family unit? You know, are the do the do the kids feel left out? Do they feel isolated? Do they feel like they not fit in? And do they have someone to be able to talk to? You know, or is the whole family just like, you know, we want to be rebellious in that sense? And is that where they're getting this mindset as the child? So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things to break down and uh, psychologically to kind of consider in that situation. So, Sean, I want to take some other calls here. I appreciate it. Very much. Always a pleasure and happy new year to you. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, it's Rod. Rod, how are you, my friend? Hi, Andy. Happy I'm new fine. Year. Uh, yeah. Hey, I might be dyslexic. I like to transpose letters and numbers, but if you take the first letter of Hunter Biden's names and transpose them, you come up with a new nickname. For him, Bunter Hyden. <laughs> what do you think? I like that. I like that. Well done. Well done. That's a good one. We'll see if uh, we'll see if he's hiding when they're trying to find him to throw him in jail here soon. Uh, <laughs> like they did with Paul Manafort and solitary confinement for ducking a House subpoena. Mm, well, see, here's the thing. They subpoenaed Hunter Biden and he showed up did the media outside and then just disappeared and didn't even walk in. So uh, that's as far as I'm aware, that's content of court right there. It is. Yeah. You, you know, bunter is a baseball term. And to me, it's like Hunter is sacrificing himself to move the big guy into scoring position. Mm. You know what? There's a, there's some strong argument to make that as uh, Joe Biden now announced. Obviously, if you remember, today's the three-year anniversary of that massive insurrection yep. of us trying to overthrow that government. Joe Biden made that very clear in a speech last night. So you're right. If yep. Hunter Biden sacrifices himself to make the issue go away, then that, to them, in their eyes, opens up the path for, for Joe to be able to uh, run through the election without any type of interference or issues uh, legally trying to bring him back. Yeah, I heard some sound bites from the speech, and I'm sick and tired of the lies, the plagiarizing, the uh, gaslighting. It's got to stop. It's got to stop.
got to stop. Yeah, it's it's insanity. Right, I got to take a break here, my friend. But you're right. I appreciate that. That's a good one. I'll keep that one in mind. Hunter Biden, going to be that scapegoat, my friend. Good stuff. Happy New Year to you. Hopefully you had a great holiday, uh, Christmas and New Year's season. Got to take a break. When we come back, we'll touch on more of the Satan Club. And we'll talk with Fred Pry, the Child Evangelism Fellowship, coming up bottom of the hour to also chat about this, what it means for the youth, the family values, and so much more. All coming up here on Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talk, or KQAM. past the hour welcome into it it is candace talk wichita's big talker kqam the satan club the rebellious kids and again i mean conservatives constitutionalists we're about as rebellious as we can get but we're rebellious with principle that actually has a purpose to be rebellious not just because we want to see the the world burn around us for our enjoyment that's not the purpose that's kind of the purpose of anarchists which fall in line with this type of mindset whether it's trying to get attention because they're crying out for help whether it's just because they want to be those rabble rousers and those kids that just want to rebel whatever that situation may be it's definitely interesting and it coincidentally always happens right around the holiday season for i don't know like christians and during christmas time and new year's I want to tell you about my friends over at napoleon appliance repair they were voted best of again for 2023 for appliance repair in the wichita area amazing individuals we love everything they do they've helped me out multiple times as well with appliances that go down hopefully you made it through the holiday season with your appliances not failing on you but now we're going into not just fun holiday time but the cold season as we mentioned we could see negative 18 degree temperatures again by the end of january yeah yeah so hopefully hey a utility company just a heads up maybe we should plan ahead of time just throwing that out there so that way we don't see the ridiculously high prices Go check out Napoleon Appliance Repair. Find them on Facebook, Napoleon Appliance Repair LLC on Facebook, or give them a call at 316-409-1525. 316-409-1525. They're expanding their help to where they can get to you at a fantastic rate. While people are waiting a week out, they can get to you in a day or two, hopefully. And uh, go check them out. Napoleon Appliance Repair. We appreciate them partnering with us here on KQAM and right here on Kansas Talk. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation about the Satan Club. Fred Pry with the Child Evangelism Fellowship. We'll chat with him coming up to get their thoughts on the situation and more. Right around the corner, it's Kansas Talk. Good Saturday morning to you. Back at it for 2024. Stay here. Now back to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Always great to have you with us here for a Saturday morning. Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. As you know, and we've been talking about it throughout the program today, but the big story here, at least in Kansas, outside of our legislative session, which is about ready to get underway here in just a couple of weeks, but the education system in the Olathe schools up in the Kansas City area with the new club. We have a new club in town that's known as the Satan Club. What the heck is it all about? Why are the students wanting to join this? And what's going on up in the Olathe School District? To talk about some of that and so much more, really happy to have on the program with us. He is the Assistant Vice President of USA Ministries, along with the Child Evangelism Fellowship, which you can find online at CEF Online. 
com. Happy to have on the program Fred Pry with us here. Fred, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm just fine, Andy. It's good to be with you today. Yeah, it's exciting to have you on. I appreciate you joining us. Interesting conversation for sure about the new club starting up in the public school in Olathe. Now, before we talk about the club itself and what they're doing and what it actually is, uh, you guys have actually a, a chapter of the CEF up there in Olathe and uh, different schools around Kansas right now, don't you? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, We have ministry going on right there in the Kansas City area, of course. That uh, particular chapter does work in Missouri, but also in Kansas, in the Olathe area. Yeah. I always remember, and I'm sure you guys partner in, in piggyback on this event as well, but I always remember at school of like the prayer at the pole and once or twice a year, just uh, different youth groups, different church organizations going to the flagpole outside of the school and praying before the, the classes start. Is that still a thing? Is that still going on? Oh, yes. Yes, it is. It's not something that we sponsor, but we certainly support that. We support any any type of prayer that's going on for the needs of the students and the teachers and the school itself. Yeah. The Satan Club that started up, I know, has gotten a lot of media attention, a lot of people talking about. In fact, they almost got 10,000 signatures in the community to as a petition to stop the club from actually being a club there. However, according to the school district, they said that these the the club met the criteria to become a club. Now, it's not a school-sanctioned club per se. It's it's out of school hours, but they had to have some type of teacher or some type of school official sign off on it and, I guess, kind of, quote-unquote, be a sponsor of it like they do with other club organizations. Where did this all come about, Fred? How, how did this even come to be? Uh, sure. So, of course, our focus is specifically with business clubs and middle schools, but uh, this particular situation is happening in the high school, and so it's a little bit of a different um, connection for us specifically, although it points actually to the fact of how important it is to share the good news of Christ at a younger age. But your, your specific situation is, of course, this is happening there at the public school, the high school. Yeah. And the, the way it came about is really from our government in 2001, CEF actually had to stand up for its right to have free speech um, and free religious speech in the public school after school. And see, schools, in this particular case, the school was saying, no, you're not allowed to because of your religious speech. And so we had to take that particular school district to court in the Supreme Court. It went the whole way to the Supreme Court, and they ruled in 2001 that uh, CEF has to be given equal access, equal treatment, no matter what our speech would be, even though it's religious. They wanted to basically uh, keep us out because of our religious speech, and the Supreme Court ruled that that's not, that's not legal. And so that actually applies to this situation as well, because this is the Satanic Temple, considered a church, um, by our government. They can't keep them out. And if they do, if they say no to them, they have to say no to every other good yeah. and healthy, helpful organization as well. Yeah, what this really comes down to, and I'm glad, I mean, personally, and like you said, I'm glad that they, the Supreme Court allowed this type of uh, freedom for us to be able to choose to practice however we want to, believe whatever we want to. What it really comes down to is the fact that we have a private market and that people can believe any way they want to in any way. And then it comes down to us as Christians or as religious organizations or religious uh, individuals to uh, kind of lead by example and practice while we preach and lead individuals to 
understand our belief system as opposed to going down a road of, of some type of satanic club. Uh, so with that freedom of religion or that freedom of expression, people can practice however they want to. Now it's up to us to show them why that may not be the best idea for them to do, right? Uh, that's exactly right. And and let me just state very clearly, C.F. Strong disagrees with what the Satanic Temple and the Satan Club stand for and teach. Uh, again, I'll just remind you, Satan is a liar who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy the lives of children, teens, and adults. And he'll do it any way he can. In fact, we know he... He is very sneaky in how he accomplishes that, and he's using this this ruling to even disturb the lives and disrupt the lives and steal, kill, and destroy the lives of children, teens, and adults. So he is he is behind. He is the god of this age, behind every false religion, and so we 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 know that they aren't teaching the truth. But the the point that you're making, the point that I I think is so important. It's not so much that that we as believers say and and promote all that we're against. We need to stand up for all that we are for, for the God that is the one true God, to stand up for what he can do in the life and how he can change a life, how he can take the darkness and place it with his light. And that's really what's important. It's for believers to stand up for what is right and to get involved in doing what's right. It's the light that dispels the darkness. It's not we try to stamp out the darkness on our own, but it's the yeah. light when it enters into that situation that dispels the darkness. Exactly. I completely agree. It's not, We can't use the government to protect us from it. We have to do it ourselves, and we have to do that, like you said, through, uh, through testimony and through ministry or however we try to reach certain individuals. We're talking with Fred Pry with the Child Evangelism Fellowship. You can find them online at cefonline.com. You mentioned uh, a little bit about the club itself. Do we know what they're actually teaching the children? I've talked to Satanists in the past before and individuals that claim to be part of the, the Church of Satan, and they always try to tell me at least that they don't actually praise Satan, that they don't actually praise the devil, that they don't even believe that Satan's a real thing, that they just essentially believe in humanistic value and that essentially that uh, we shouldn't try to refrain from doing anything that brings us happiness or pleasure on a physical sense that we should just do really anything that we want to and you can't try to put any moral boundaries upon me is that what we're teaching or what, what are they actually trying to teach the children here well i'm certainly not an expert in it you know i don't i don't study what they what they teach but i am aware of some of what their rhetoric is. Their rhetoric says, oh yeah, we don't do this. And yet they had a 3,000-pound statue created of bronze, and it's this um, image of Satan. And if you look at the image very closely, and you can see it online, if you look at the image very closely, here's two young children standing at the base of this 3,000-pound statue, looking up adoringly at this image. And so, you know, we hear what they say, but the reality is they are pointing people to the worship of Satan um, or the world that Satan is controlling right now, which is, again, that's the humanistic viewpoint. That's the humanistic thought. It's like, well, no, I'm God. And that's exactly what Satan wanted to be. He wanted to be God. He wants to be worshiped. And so he's doing it in this way that is very deceptive. And again, that's in his nature to deceive people that, oh, no, we're, we're just helping people. We want them to have an open viewpoint. But the point is, the thing with what they are doing, they only go where CEF is involved or with where other people are, are teaching the scriptures and, and presenting the gospel. And they, they really are against God. So, 
you know, the scriptures say very clearly, whoever's not for me is against me. And it's very clear. They, they, even if they say, well, no, we're not against God, they really are. They're trying to silence the voice of the scriptures and silence the Christian voice in the public square. Yeah, well, and that's and that's exactly what they try to do. They're not trying to essentially win anybody else over, and it almost seems like they're just kind of like the, I guess you want to say, anarchists in society. Let's go to the place where we're going to upset the most amount of people and try and start this club, try and start this organization, not really to win anybody over, but just to poke the bear, essentially, because we get our kicks off of that. And that's I, I've seen this in so many places all over the country that that's really their entire purpose, and they just don't care, and they enjoy doing that, ruffling the feathers and getting people riled up, as opposed to actually spreading a message or trying to win anybody over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe that is true. Uh, but ultimately, when we worship ourselves, we're that's exactly what Satan did. And that's what he wants, too. You know, he doesn't want people to worship God, and so he's doing anything and everything to keep people away from that truth. Yeah, it is. We're talking with Fred Pry. A last question for you here, and I appreciate your time. You can find him online with the Child Evangelism Fellowship, CEFonline.com. But on your guys' front, how are things going nationwide? With uh, are, are you seeing more chapters come out? Are you seeing an increase in interest from students at younger ages, middle school and even high school ages, wanting to be part of this organization, wanting to be part of what you guys are doing and uh, spreading the message? Oh, absolutely. This is, you know, even even the Satan clubs have actually what what they had hoped would happen is not happening. People are getting more involved. When this happens, people are are listening. They're they're saying, "Okay, well, how can I get involved? What can I do to combat this Satan club that's coming to my school and trying to influence my community?" And so more people are getting involved. Churches are getting involved with CEF. We're training more workers. We're training thousands and thousands of of workers that go into the public school and go into their neighborhoods and communicate the, the truth of the Word of God. And donors are even coming out and saying, hey, I hear what's going on. I want to support what you guys are doing because that's eternal. That is an eternal reward to it. And so, yes, it's it's happening. It's growing. Our clubs are growing. We're, uh, this past year, we reached over 119,000 uh, children in our Good News Clubs, and God's just doing an amazing work around the country. The total number of children reached just in America, and again, CEF is worldwide, but just in America, we reached over a half a million children with the Good News of Jesus Christ, and so the ministry continues to grow. It grew about 25% over the previous year, so that was your question. So yeah, we're exceeding, we're, we're seeing God do some amazing things. And again, when the darkness starts to overtake, the light shines brighter. And that's exactly what we believe is happening. Yeah, you're never going to be able to put it out. And God bless you guys for doing what you do. We appreciate that very much. Go check them out online, cefonline.com. It is the Child Evangelism Fellowship, but you can go and check out all their great information. Fred, we appreciate it, my friend, very much. Happy New Year to you. God bless you. we got to get you back on and chat again soon. Very, very good. Thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate it. Right back here on Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here.
We're talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Glenda's back on the line with us today. Glenda, Happy New Year. How are you today? Happy New Year to you. I'm doing well, Andy. Thank you. Yeah, so good to chat with you again for 2024. And there's a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, you focus a lot of time and, and attention on the Fraud Watch Network, a lot of scams and frauds going on even after the holidays, and a lot of those scams are uh, are done for the holiday time. But we have a lot of new technology coming out, including artificial intelligence, which can be beneficial in many cases, but at the same time can be a danger. Talk about some of the scams that you've heard regarding AI and how this could be used against us. Absolutely. Well, one thing we do know, Andy, is that uh, criminal uh, scammers are not stupid, right? They often use cutting-edge technology to make their schemes really more sophisticated and harder to, to, to for us to detect. But some of these same technologies can, and they really should, be uh, used to protect people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we know the technology can always be used for good and bad, and, and look, something like AI or other types of uh, online services can definitely benefit us on our daily life, but at the same time, there are those that always find a way to take advantage of this and try and get your information. Absolutely. The most recent case in point is artificial intelligence, or AI. Uh, we already see in where celebrity uh, deep fake videos are out there trying to sell non-existent products. Likewise, simple AI tools like the chat, GPT, are cleaning up many grammatical issues that can make scam emails easier to spot. The question is, though, how can we use this technology for good? The uh, FCC hopes to use AI to weed out something that plagues everyone with the phone, and that's those um, illegal robocalls. Uh, The FCC recently announced that there are they are seeking ideas from the public on how to make better screen uh, screening of these calls and how we can figure out to really eliminate some of those unwanted technology. Mm, that is good news. We talk, and you guys talk about some of the scams of, let's say, some of the elderly scams of calling about your grandkids that have had been in a car accident or that need some money in order to travel. I'm assuming that these are some of those that may come up now with AI being able to auto-generate somebody's voice or uh, try to create certain scenarios that could scare you. That's absolutely true. And it's really kind of hard to uh, figure out the good ones as opposed to the bad ones. But, you know, there's really work to try and um, make sure that you're able to determine which are which ones are good and which ones are bad. Because, again, going back to those simple uh, techniques of if someone, for example, in a grandparent call, your grandchild calls you, you call them and confirm that they are in that situation or call you have called you and really confirm that a lot of it we have to take this on our own to make the uh, the bad uh, that was intended for to actually turn out to be for our good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what can we do with maybe, and you mentioned it before, but some of the online sites maybe if you're getting uh, the artificial intelligence telling you to go to maybe certain sites or you download an app that's supposed to be AI to help you and try to direct you to certain sites, is that a potential scam opportunity as well? It's a potential scam for sure. And as, as we said often, always go to the website themselves, uh, that, that actual website of the company, to uh, place your order or whatever it is that you're wanting to do with those websites and not click on any links that you receive in emails or that you receive in text messages. Be very, very uh, uh, leery of those kinds of techniques. Yeah, absolutely. we got just about a minute left here. We're talking with Glenda with the AARP. What else is going on now that we have the new year kicked off? I'm sure there's a lot of projects. It's a big year for a lot of individuals. What's going on with the AARP? 
Absolutely. We will begin our uh, virtual concerts again and our um, Broadwatch Fridays. And a lot of activities will be planned in person. So we're in the process of planning a lot for 2024. So there's a lot to come. Lots to come. Make sure to check them out. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. It's going to be a big year in 2024. And you guys are right on the brink of it as well. Uh, Glenda, we always appreciate it very much. Happy New Year. We'll do it again next week. Thank you, Andy. Same to you. There it is, AARP. Find them online, aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas, as they always have great information on the Fraud Watch Network and what scams are going on in your community. That about does it for us today. Holy cow. The first program of 2024 about wrapped up, and it's been a wild one. We have a lot to get to over the next few weeks, obviously, with the legislative session starting. What is on your agenda? What are these priorities? Will we see minimum wage increases? Well, we see an increase in education funding like we do, I don't know, every single year sitting at 52% of our entire state budget. Well, we see maybe a flat tax as the Chamber of Commerce and Alan Cobb, which we will have on the program here soon, uh, to talk about what those, uh, will we actually be able to see that flat tax happen again? We still have a Democrat governor that's fighting it, saying that she's giving you tax relief and then fighting other tax relief in the state, or they say state revenue is on the decline. It's not really on the decline right now. What we have seen, though, is the changing of their algorithm on how they calculate and anticipate those tax returns or those tax receipts coming into the state. And they bumped them up just a little bit too high, and now they're having to scale them back. If more people are working, that means more tax revenue will be coming into the state. And that would normally be a good thing. So you can't have it both ways, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly. But we'll see what that looks like moving forward. We have a lot of agendas to get to. Plus, the election is right around the corner now that we're in 2024. Election modes here, man. We are in full board election coverage. And, oh, yeah, by the way, today's a three-year anniversary of that attempted overthrowing of the federal government. <laughs> That's according to President Joe Biden. Not according to us. That's according to Joe Biden. The attempted overthrow of the nation. So there's that as well. That does it for us today. Back at it again next Saturday for Kansas Talk from 9 to 11. As usual, you're on KQAM and on KIUL. We have the voice reason coming up on Monday at 4 p.m., so don't miss that one. And our syndicated weekend edition of the voice reason this weekend as well on Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. Until then, everybody, have a great weekend. Stay warm. Enjoy the snow. We'll see you back on the radio again here next weekend.